as people said, amen. Thank you. You can be seated. Years ago, I read a quote by an archbishop, I think it was of Canterbury. I don't remember his name, but he said, God is a God of wonders. And if God isn't doing wonders in your life, you ought to sit down and wonder about it. And uh, it's a pretty good quote. Hey, today, thank you for your giving to the provision closet. Thank you for uh, your giving uh, to Steve and Becky Riggs over the years. Steve Riggs is our missionary and Becky, missionary to France. Uh, Becky will be speaking just a, a minute. The, the girls go to, the, they have two daughters that are with us, two of my favorite people ever, uh, Laura and Joanna. And, um, and so I hope you get a chance to hook up with them and meet them just a little later. Uh, I came to Kirby 19 years ago, and Steve and Becky were already on the mission field in France, in Not France. They built a wonderful, growing church in Not, and they are starting a new work in Chateaubriand. How about that, huh? And uh, one, of my, one of my most one of the most highest honors I've ever had, and I, I say this sincerely, is when we were over in France a couple years ago, when, when the church sent us over to go and see Blake in Rome and uh, for Pastor Appreciation and all that, man, it was great. Steve and Becky met us in Paris, and then we went to uh, spend a few days with them, so we thought. And then that's when the volcano erupted, and God just blessed with a wonderful extra seven days in France. Amen. And this is who I stayed with, Steve and Becky. And we went and they introduced me to the other missionaries around there. And it was just an incredible, wonderful week uh, that we had together. But Steve gave me the privilege to share a message and a word uh, in that new church uh, that they were starting in Chateaubriand. And then we went outside and ate uh, a meal together out in the beautiful sunny day uh, in the backyard there. And I got to play with kids and and love on folks and speak a little French, a very little French uh, with folks. If you want to talk about heroes of the faith, and I know sometimes we point to the greats and the, and the people who have, you know, just written books and this and that and the other thing. But I think a hero of the faith can be defined by faithfulness. And I'm telling you, Steve and Becky Riggs have been faithful uh, over... I think it's 24 years, 28, they're even more faithful than I thought. And, uh, and they are just wonderful folks. You are going to enjoy this today. And I want you to make them feel welcome. Will you welcome Steve Riggs and Becky to Kirby Church this morning? I see this was set for Mike. What do you do here, buddy? You just lift it up? I'm sorry. That was, that was low, wasn't it? It really was. <laughs> wow. I want to invite you to take your Bibles and turn with me to 1 Peter chapter 1. And uh, while you're turning there, and Becky, I promise you this will be short. This is just really, uh, I'm saying that because Becky's going to come and give, say some words here in a moment as well. This is my first time to be here uh, in your new auditorium. It's new to me, and this is just really awesome. Um, this is really, really a, 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 neat, a neat place and an awesome experience, and, 
and a real joy to get here and be with you. Thanks for sending Mike and Terry to France. Thanks for letting them stay a little bit longer. Uh, we could have kept them a lot longer. By the way, they preach not only to our small group that we're starting in, in Chateauillon, but Mike also got to, uh, to preach at the church that we, uh, we participated in starting in, in Nantes. And everybody just loved Mike. Uh, after that, I heard a number of comments about, gee, you know, how come you couldn't preach that short? You know, Mike just said things in, in 15 minutes that takes me 45 minutes to say, but, but the people really did love him. And, uh, and we just loved having him. It really was just such a refreshing, a refreshing time for us. It was a real time of encouragement. Of course, you know Mike and Terry better than we do, but they, they were just a joy to be with. And I even got to take Mike out in the golf course and uh, encourage him there a little bit too, but that, that, was, that was really a lot of fun. Thanks so much for letting us get to be here with you today. We've got a lot to say in a short amount of time, and, um, and so I'm going to start with a, a very, just a really brief commentary, um, because I really do think it fits with what we're going to say later. We want to tell you about France, and Becky's going to share with you a little bit about the culture in France, but I want to uh, kind of introduce it, um, because what we're going to show here in a little bit is, is to kind of maybe help you understand um, why we're in France. Uh, you know, we've been, Becky and I have been missionaries for 28 years, and I get the idea that that's longer than most of you have, have been around as, I, as I'm looking, looking, at, looking at you, and uh, boy, am I, I feel old. But uh, uh, even being a missionary, when, you know, we meet people, and you, they ask, well, what, what are you doing? And tell them, well, I'm a missionary pastor. And, and they, wow, that's really neat. And then they say, well, where are you a missionary? And we say, well, we're in France. And you can just see people's expression change. Uh, France? Uh, you know, missionaries go to Africa. Missionaries go to China and, and India. France? And so we're going to try uh, to just give a, a little bit of, of information, uh, really, and I hope to help you understand that Western Europe, not just France, but Western Europe really is an area of our world that needs the gospel tremendously. But to introduce that, I want to share with you a few verses in 1 Peter. I don't want to shortchange God's word, so let's read the scripture together, and then I'm just going to make a few comments about it. I want you to read with me in chapter 3 and in verse, in verse um, 13, remember that Peter is writing to Christians who are suffering. He's writing to Christians who are living apparently under the reign of Nero, Christians who literally were seeing their husbands and their fathers and their children die at the hand of this, of this terrible emperor. And by the way, I want to remind you as we read these verses, because so often we forget in the privilege that we have of worshiping the Lord in a free country, Still today, the majority of the body of Christ around the world is suffering. Think this moment as you read these scriptures, what it means to us, but think as you read the scriptures, what these scriptures, what the, this passage, Peter writing to a church who is suffering, think what it means if you're a Christian in North Korea, or in China, or in Iraq, or places around the world so many, the majority of the body of Jesus Christ today, these words have a different meaning than they do even for us. Peter is writing to Christians who are suffering. And listen to part of what he says in chapter 3 and verse 13. He says, who is there to harm you if you are zealous for what is good? 
But even if you should suffer for righteousness' sake, you will be blessed. Have no fear of them, nor be troubled, but in your hearts regard Christ the Lord as holy, always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you. And I find that fascinating that Peter's writing to Christians who are suffering and he says, always be ready to tell people about the hope that you have in Jesus Christ. And I want us to go back to chapter 1 and I want to read a few verses and I want you to notice just as you read these verses, as you hear them, listen to the message of hope that we have as believers in Jesus Christ. Peter introduces himself in verse 1 and he says he's writing to elect exiles of the dispersion in Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, Bithynia, according to the foreknowledge of God the Father in the sanctification of the Spirit for obedience to Jesus Christ and for sprinkling with his blood. Now, you may not notice it right off the bat, but I'm going to come back just for a moment and underscore part of our hope is found in this fact that, that we have been elected, we have been chosen in Christ according to the foreknowledge of God, sanctified, that means set apart by the Spirit of God, and, and sprinkling with his blood is speaking, of course, about, about the fact that we have been under the atonement of Jesus Christ that we sang about, some of the songs we mentioned this morning. Let's read on a little bit. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled and unfading, kept in heaven for you, who by God's power are being guarded through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. In this you rejoice, though now for a little while if necessary you have been grieved by various trials. And then he goes on. I, I want us to skip down, skipping a lot of verses, but, but I want you to come down with me in verse 17 where he encourages us as Christians. He says, if you call on him who judges impartially according to each one's deed, deeds, Conduct yourselves with fear throughout the time of your exile, knowing that you were ransomed. You were purchased from the feudal ways inherited from your forefathers, not with perishable things such as silver or gold. But again, as we sang about this morning, you were purchased with the precious blood of Christ, like that of a lamb without blemish or spot. He Jesus was foreknown before the foundation of the world, but he was made manifest in the last times, the last times for your sake, who through him are believers in God, who raised him from the dead and gave him glory so that your faith and hope are in God. Wow. I wish, I wish we could take a lot of time this morning just to kind of go through these verses and look at all that's there, the richness of the hope that you and I as believers in Jesus Christ have in this world. And the message I think that we want to tie in when we're going to talk about France and share with you um, and kind of focus on, on the needs of that country this morning. A lot of people don't think about France as a mission field, but I think if we could take you there, and I know that Mike and Terry got to come for a little bit, and, and, and it's amazing to me the number of visitors that we have, and if you could come and just spend a little time and get to sense something about the French people, you would sense a terrible hopelessness, an emptiness. With all that they have, it's a prosperous country, uh, much like the United States of America 
in many ways, in many ways perhaps even a little bit further down the road in, in, in some areas, but a very prosperous people, a people that, that have a culture that they can be proud of, a people that, that really, much like us, live in ease, and yet when you get to talk with them and you get to meet them and you get, you get to ask them questions, you just find out that there's an emptiness and a hopelessness. And the reason we're in France, and the reason any of us, not just in France, but the reason this church is here, is because people all around are still looking for a message of hope. Of hope. Now I'm going to share just one quick thought, because there's a lot, lot that's in here. But I want to just focus on this message of hope. It was a couple of years ago, I was preparing a Christmas message, and I remember when I was preparing the Christmas message, I, I started going back and, you know, looking at all the, all the interesting, well, just looking at all the story, the Christmas story, and looking at all the miracles and things that, that actually took place. And you know, it dawned on me, and I don't, don't want you to misunderstand me, I don't think you will, but it dawned on me as I was preparing this message and, and this Christmas theme, there's a lot of things in the Christmas story that frankly are very hard to believe. Now, for those who are believers in Christ, and, and many of us perhaps who have grown up in church and we've heard these stories all of our lives, you know, you say, well, that's a stupid statement. It's not hard to believe. You know, you, you just put your faith. Well, well sure, I, I'm not saying it's difficult for me to believe. But I began to think about what this message sounds like to a skeptical, atheistic French mind. First of all, the story starts out with an angel. You know, an angel who appears to, uh, to, well, we can go back and there's an angel who appears to Elizabeth, you know, to tell Elizabeth about the birth of John, and then also about the angel who appears to Mary, and an angel who appears to Joseph. Now, I don't have any problem believing in angels, but frankly, it's not something I can really prove. The Bible tells us there are angels everywhere, and I believe that. There are angels in this room right now that are present with us. There are angels, there were angels present when you were born. And, and I believe that. But I can't prove it to you. I wish I could snap my finger and, and have one of them appear. But even if I did that, you know, if, if one did appear, we may still not believe it. You know, there's a story of angels. And then it goes on about angels. And it's not just angels. You've got in the Christmas story, you've got the message about, you know, the, the wise men that travel and they follow a star. Now, now don't misunderstand me, but stars don't move. And, and in a skeptical, atheistic, humanistic mindset, that's unbelievable. How can you understand this story that a star actually, you know, moved and these men followed it and, it, and it, the Bible says it rested right above the place where Jesus was born. And then listen, miracle of all miracles, <laughs> Jesus was born of a virgin. I was playing golf with a, with a friend of mine in in France, and he's not a Christian, and, 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 and just talking with him, and he began to ask me about my faith, and he asked me that simple question. He said, do you really believe that? And I said, well, yeah, I do. And he said, well, come on, you've got kids. <laughs> I mean, we all know what it takes to have kids. How in the world can you believe it? Now, don't misunderstand me. What I'm saying is this. It dawned upon me that when I was telling this Christmas story and that when we began to present our faith as believers in Christ to a skeptical world, a lot of it really can't be proven. 
And notwithstanding the tremendous amount of work that's done in the field of Christian apologetics that, that gives a defense, yes, there's good reason to believe that the Bible is God, God's word. And I'm not against apologetics at all. And, and we need that because it's something that strengthens our faith. And there's a lot of good books out there, a lot of good studies that, that, that I encourage you to go to because it will strengthen our faith to know that what we believe in the Bible is not something that, that's just that's just myth or just fantasy or, or, or make-believe. Yes, there is good reason to believe. But even with all of those evidences and, and, and arguments that we can give, when it comes down to it, it really is about faith. And it really is about choosing to believe this message. And what I want to share with you this morning simply, and, and this one thought, and, and, and move on from it. I became convinced more and more that at least in France, at least with the people that we're dealing with, I've tried arguing. I, I, I've tried, I love to debate. I, I love it with all of my heart. You know, I, I just, I love to argue, I guess, you know. But I love to get in debate with, debates with people. But you know what? I've never won a single person to Christ by debating and arguing. I may have even won the debate but you lose the person. And the thought occurred to me that really one of the greatest means we have of evangelizing today is simply doing what Peter says here to this suffering church. And he says, simply let people know about the reason for your hope. Because one of the things I found out is that when you start talking to, to people who do not know the Lord, and when we start, you know, with our French friends especially, one of, the, one of the things I found out, too, is that sometimes it's a great means of evangelism, not simply to go around preaching to people, but sometimes simply to, to shut up a little bit and ask people to tell you what they believe. You ought to try that. Sometimes with our non-Christian friends, if you, if you can just ask them, hey, you know what? You laugh at my faith. You make fun of Christianity, and, and you think all of this thing is a bunch of nonsense. Well, you know what? I'd like to know. What do you believe? And I mean that sincerely. Don't, don't ask the question trying to make fun of people, but if you ask the question sincerely, because it does, it, to me, I am curious. I, I'm amazed. I'm amazed at how people who don't have faith in God, how do they survive? How do they go through tragedy? You know, how, how do they go through suffering? You know? And sometimes if you just ask them the question, you know, you tell me, what do you believe? And what you find out, lots of times, is that people will confess and say, you know what, I really don't know. I don't know. And there, there's a hopelessness. Be ready. One of the greatest means of evangelism we have today is simply to share with others, look, this is my hope that I have in Jesus Christ. And I'm not going to give them to you right now. I, I, I'd love to go down through this passage and, and, and take some time but the verses that we read, if you listen to the things that Peter said, our hope is based on the fact that we've been chosen and that, that, that God has chosen to save us in Christ. That's a tremendous hope. Don't be afraid of that doctrine of election. Don't be afraid of that understanding that God foreknew us. It's a mystery. We don't understand it. But what a tremendous hope because that message says my life and your life has purpose. You're not here by accident. You're not here by chance. 
God knows what he's doing. And, and you've been sanctified, set apart by the Holy Spirit. There is a hope that is there because that gives our life purpose. And, and I said I wouldn't give them all to you, but I will just give you this, these two. There's that purpose that you have in life. And I want you to see the second one that we read in this verse where he says, you have been purchased, ransomed by the precious blood of Christ. Listen, people, that gives life value. Your life is valuable and precious to God, so much so. God loves you so much that he sent his son who shed his blood on a cross for you to redeem you so that you can be part of his family and live with him forever. That's a hope that you will not find in any other message in the world. I, I simply want to ask you this morning, do you have hope? Do you have hope? And I'd like to really encourage you. Perhaps, perhaps there might be someone who's just visiting and maybe you're asking about, about Christianity. And again, I, I want to say to you unashamedly, I can't prove everything. I really can't. I really can't prove it. But what I can say to you is that in Jesus Christ, there is a message of hope that I'm convinced you cannot find anywhere else in the world. And I'd like to encourage you to examine closely the claims of Christ and the claims of Christianity. And I'd like to encourage you to examine the claims of other religions. Examine them. And I ask you sincerely, in other religions around the world, will you find this message of hope that we have in Jesus Christ? I'd like for us just to bow our heads if we, if we can, and, and let's, just, let's just pray. Lord, thank you that we really do have a message of hope. There's lots of things we don't understand, and, and just like Christians at this time when Peter was writing were suffering, and just like Christians all around the world today are suffering, Lord, we don't understand the things that happen to us, and sometimes we go through situations that just don't make sense. But Lord, through it all, you really have given us the hope that we can trust you, that we can know that, that you love us, and that you have planned everything out for us, even though we can't see it right now. Lord, thank you for the hope that we have in knowing that you love us so much that, that you sent Jesus to die for our sins. And Lord, I pray that you would remind us of that hope. And Lord, I pray that you would help us as we go out this week and, and in the places where you have sent each of us. Lord, help us to be ready simply to tell people about the hope that we have in Christ. And we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. How much time we got? Any? A little bit? How much time we got? Seriously, we got 12 minutes? 10 to 12 minutes. Boy, that's so fast. Becky, would you come up here and, and, and say hi to everybody? And, and we're going to do this real quick, but while we're doing it, I, come on, I want, I want to. I, and that was short. Man, alive. Was that short? I don't know. But anyway. Everything's <laughs> relative. Huh? Everything's relative. Everything's relative. All right. <laughs> we're going to show you some slides, but Becky's going to share some some stuff first, and you can bring up the videos minutes, there. And I wish these five minutes I could make you fall in love. Fall in love with the country of France. Mon pays, uh, my country. 
I feel about France like many Americans feel, and, and part of me feels about America, too. Um, Americans can criticize it, but don't let anybody that's not Sociologist, but I do have a that if we understood the cultures of other countries, we would understand better the conflicts of the world. And the same thing goes with if other cultures, the American culture, they would understand the things that are made. And that is France. When you ask people, You're gonna get that one. I don't know, has, it, has anyone ever been to France? Some of you have, okay. You're gonna get rude, but well, I can explain rude to you too. Where that comes from. Um, but one of the ones you'll get also is, as one kid, like war. And Steve said, well, I didn't know that both war. <laughs> but, and sometimes you have to have it, but we're not supposed to a lot of their, on the political side, can be explained by history. They don't have the same history we have. We have the history of kings that took advantage of for centuries and centuries and left them poor. Left them with very little to, to live on. While the kings basked in gold. they had the revolution. After that, they had Hitler. So when you have, when you judge them, you have to remember a lot of their, the way they are in their political life, their cultures, their history. They are people that, uh, they like dialogue. We are Talk. We could talk about it. Talk about it. We'll talk about it some more. That's the French. They also don't. This comes from Hitler. They don't like to turn anybody in. Doing something against the law. So that also goes with international. Two, where in World War II people were turning in their neighbors. People were saying, oh, I think he's, he has some Jewish ancestry. And so now that is taboo. And you allow your patient don't agree with you that maybe do things that are even against the law. I could just open your eyes and your hearts to them. They are, they are a lovely people, but they are extremely
church person. And that's all we're surrounded by. We're not surrounded by this very small population. So you have to make it in this. And all of our friends, everything we do are to meet their parents. kids. was in France, but his head was at Kirby. And so he'd call and Don would say, we have And then the next Sunday he was there. Again, I said that's <laughs> but in those countries. Witchcraft is alive. Astrology is alive. So when you think of us, when you think of France, please pray. Becky and I are going to have some service. Mike told me to go to the kiosk on the left. Love to just talk with talk with you. Very quickly, some quick statistics about France. France is the size of Texas. 64 million people, so about one-fifth of the population of our country. Um, uh, statistically, France is 80% Roman Catholic. So that's a very, very deceptive statistic because only 10 to 15 percent of French people will ever attend church at any moment in their life. So when you hear that figure, 80%. 
It really means nothing. It simply means that historically, France has been a country that drove the Protestants out. And when you do a religious survey, they're going to put down Catholics. But only 10 to 15 percent ever attend church in their life. Two percent Protestant. Of that two percent, roughly only one half or one percent would be evangelical, meaning they believe the Bible is God's word. Put numbers on that. There are actually more more Christians in Cuba than there are in the entire country. Becky and I live in a neighborhood of 66 houses. We know one family in our neighborhood that attends church. The average French church is very, very agnostic. That's really the free will Baptist. We work with Free Will Baptist International. We are ministering in Brittany. Northwestern section. Go ahead and click to the next one. Um, we have churches in Wren and Nantes, uh, four or five churches. Church where we last were at for 14 years in Nantes, and, and uh, that church is doing well. We're starting a new work in Chateaubriand, as Mike mentioned. It's a much smaller town. Uh, Nantes is 600,000 people. Chateaubriand is only 16,000. But go to the next slide if you really want to get And the next one, real quick. It's, it's only 15,000 people, but it's in an area of 24 towns with 80,000 people with not a single visible evangelical Protestant church. And, and, and that, by the way, is France all around. Uh, 35,000 towns without any gospel witness at all. And you're going to hear the testimony right now of a... Uh, young couple, you're going to bring a video, you're going to give some testimony. One is a, a girl by the name of Sandrine, who's actually talking about another uh, another work uh, in Nantes, and then you're going to hear Jean-Charles Magali, Jean-Charles is a truck driver, and they're going to tell about uh, about their passion to start a church in their hometown, where there's never been evangelical Protestant church. Real quick. Je m'appelle Sandrine. Hello, my name is Sandrine. I am 33 years old. I live in Santa Herblon, a town close to Nantes. I am a potter by profession, so I work with clay and I make things for decoration and for household use. So I split my time between my family life and my work. And now I belong to the church in Santa Herblon. This church started with two missionary couples, the Keeners and the Prices, and two families that went to the Nantes church, the Briand family and our family, the Ramonas. We really started about a year and a half ago. Our Bible studies are continuing. Our relationship with non-believers is growing. Nantes is a very large city, simply put. And as much as you can find Catholic churches every five kilometers, you find very few Protestant churches. It is difficult. So to find a church where you are comfortable is not always easy. And on top of that, there are not a lot of churches. I think that those who come to the Lord or who would like 
invite to come to the Lord aren't going to travel 30 minutes to show up to a church on Sunday morning. If they are curious enough to seek the Lord, there's going to have to be a church pretty close to them within 10 or 15 minutes and a church where they are going to know the people. I would like to say that having a church in Santa Erblon has been for me an enriching experience. I wanted to grow in God, and I thought to myself that it was really something that could train me, help me grow in my faith, by not being a spectator like at the Boisilla Church, but really participating in the development of the new church, and I really found that to be important for my spiritual life. My name is Jean-Charles. I am 30 years old and work as a truck driver. I transport chicken products. Actually, it is all the chicken parts that people don't want, and they are used to make dog and cat food. My name is Magali. I'm Jean-Charles' wife, and I'm a stay-at-home mom of three boys. We both are part of the Baptist Church in Chateaubriand. It's pretty amazing to see how God has worked. We met Steve 10 years ago. He baptized me and Jean-Charles. After that, we lost contact for a number of years. We met up again by chance at a conference. That's when we shared with Steve that there was a great need for a church in Chateaubriand. I think there is a need for a church in Chateaubriand because there is a strong Catholic presence here. And yet, the Catholic religion is declining. There are not many people who attend church anymore. Generally speaking, you can say that people do not want to believe anymore. They don't know what to believe anymore. I think for those reasons, we really need a solid, stable church in Chateaubriand. There is a real need for a Protestant Christian presence here. You can sense the real spiritual need in this city. For me personally, this is the town where I was born, and it really means something for me to come back after all these years and finally the Lord has decided that I can be useful for Him. To be part of the team that is starting a work in Chateaubriand is a great honor that the Lord has given me, and a joy. Personally, we truly feel useful for the Lord. It's more than just coming to church on Sunday morning. We are tools in the Lord's hands, and that is really good for our faith and for our spiritual life. John Charles, that was the home in Chateaubriand. You know, most of us will drive by probably three to five churches on our way home today where the gospel is being preached, where Christ is being uplifted, where hope is going forth. And that is not true in France. And that's why it's so important to continue to get the word out. Our church supports Steve and, and Becky and their ministry, and, uh, and we're going to support them um, and, and all kind of missions through our prayer provision closet and then uh, through our coin bank. And I'll explain that in just a little bit. Would you bow your heads? Would you just pray with me, please?
Father, we are blessed, and we've been given a trust. You've given us this hope, and now we're responsible.